Well, it's never a dull Saturday. If you're a Big 12 basketball fan, what's up? I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com, covering the Big 12. And what a Saturday it was once again. Great to have you on board. Thanks for joining the show. Hit the thumbs up right below the video on YouTube. And of course, as always, make sure to leave that five-star rating and review if you're on the podcast. We appreciate you as always joining us here for the second to last Saturday of the Big 12 regular season. It is flying by and we're grateful you're a part of the show. So, Saturday, the biggest takeaway, and there's a lot of them to look at, is number one, Kansas State may have played itself off the bubble. And I hate that for the Wildcats in year two under Jerome Tang, but you've got to hand it to what was a very good Cincinnati team. I know, I know it wasn't always pretty. You look at the Cincinnati team and you're like, hey, they were in a position to win this game. They blew a 13-point lead. Then they've got to come back and win it with a late three-pointer after some Tyler Perry theatrics. But we knew and we said Kansas State had to win this game against Cincinnati and then probably split KU-Iowa State to feel good about its chances going into the Big 12 tournament to make the big dance. And Kansas State could not get it done. And you know what? I mean, there's a lot of things that we're eventually going to point to back on this season and for Kansas State and, and where it seemed to go wrong, but there's just too many winnable games that Kansas State came up short in. And that's what you're going to look back on this season and regret. You got a one-point loss at Texas Tech. Uh, you got a three-point loss at Oklahoma State. You look at the TCU game. I mean, their losses are close. So a part of you wants to sit there and say, well, they're in all these games, but yeah, you're losing a lot of these close games. And that's something that Kansas State fans have got to be beyond frustrated with as they've gone through this season. And it's been a weird season. You go back to the Naquan Tomlin stuff. It's been a weird season for Kansas State. But still, you look back on these missed opportunities, and this game on Saturday against Cincinnati was a quintessential example of exactly that. And to come up short um, after you you know, erase the big 13-point lead by the Bearcats on the road, you think you're going to win the game, and you come up short. And that just stings. And that's going to hurt you if you're a Kansas State fan. And, you know, I'll tell you what, too. Um, that minute, less than a minute to go, you're up by a point. I know Tyler Perry hits that big three-pointer to put you up one. But then with 25 seconds left, Perry comes down the court and throws up, I mean, a, a shot that is not a high-quality, high-percentage three-pointer. You would have liked to have gotten a better shot there with 25 seconds left than that shot from Tyler Perry. I know he was feeling it. I know he was your hot hand, but I didn't like that shot for a second from Tyler Perry. So all in all, uh, this is a tough break for Kansas State. Now, is Cincinnati back on the bubble? Probably not. They're 6-10 and 10 in league play. You know, I, I mean, I, they were not in Lenardi's bracketology going into this game. They've got Oklahoma and West Virginia left. They should win those games, but then they'll still be 8-10 and 10 
and frankly, Oklahoma's not a guaranteed win. I'm just saying, if they win those games, they're 8-10. and 10. They probably have to make some noise in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City um, if they want to work their way back onto the bubble. So we'll see how it plays out. But Kansas State blowing that game is a very tough loss for the Wildcats. Meantime, Houston had to hang on. Let's talk about that game against Oklahoma. I see we got the uh, wise guys out and about. Samuel writes, Jamal Shedd made sure Oklahoma didn't storm the court for you, Pete. Uh, That's very nice, Samuel. Well done. I'm glad you're a listener, a regular listener and watcher of the show. Um, You are right about that. I hope you're subscribed, by the way. That way you never miss an episode of the show. Um, I'm not a fan of court storming, in case you didn't know. I think it's sophomoric. I think it's antiquated. I think it's time to get rid of the dopey thing. And I don't say that as an old man on my front porch. I'm 35, and we have our third child coming on Sunday. So, uh, but yes, still get off my lawn, please. Anyway, uh, Houston, of course, was in a position where, you know, I turned the game off for a little bit. They were up, I want to say, 15 points um, in that second half. They started to run away with it. And then I looked at my phone. I was watching the BYU-TCU game. And I'm like, dang, Oklahoma's getting itself back into this game. So uh, you look at the end of that game, Oklahoma has a great play. I mean, they're down by three late in that game, missed the first free throw, and then uh, they missed the second free throw, excuse me. And then they find themselves in a position where they end up getting the ball back, get two points, and they tie the game at 85. And then Houston's got the ball with a few seconds to go, and Jamal Shedd ends up doing what he has done all year long and prove to me why he is the Big 12 Player of the Year. And there's a lot of guys you can make the argument for being the Big 12 Player of the Year, but to me it's Jamal Shedd. I, it, just the leadership, the intangibles, combined with the stats, one of the top scorers, passers, he does it all for this team. And it is a lot of fun to watch. And you just, this Kelvin Sampson team, veteran, tough, studs making plays in key moments. That's what they do. That's what the best Kelvin Sampson teams have always done. And with the win, Houston is now in a great position to clinch a Big 12 championship, a regular season title in year one in the Big 12 conference. It's really unbelievable. And for Oklahoma, I mean, what more can you do? You tell anybody that you're going to score 85 on Houston, you're running to the bank with a win. That's what you're doing. But unfortunately uh, for Oklahoma, they couldn't get it done on the defensive side. That's what held them back. So OU, I mean, they're looking at this game and they're saying, what more can we do? They shot 48% from three-point range, 53% from the floor, what more? They out-rebounded Houston. What more do you want Oklahoma to do in that spot? And the answer is get a couple of stops because Houston shot 57% from the floor. That's pretty damn good. So, you know, Houston continues to do what it's done all year long. It's a very impressive victory. They've just got the tougher, more veteran, more hard-nosed guys and they have found themselves now in a position where they've got, what, I think seven straight Big 12 wins 
under their belt. They go to UCF this week, followed by a home game against Kansas to wrap up the regular season. They have a one-game lead over Iowa State with a couple of games to go. So uh, that was a thriller down the stretch. I didn't think it was going to be a thriller down the stretch, but it turned out to be a thriller down the stretch. All right, meantime, um, we haven't even gotten to the top 15 matchup in the Big 12, but I'll get to it. I want to touch on BYU and their 17-point comeback. They were down 46-29 at the half at home, the TCU, and they end up, I don't want to say blowing out TCU, but they put a 58 spot up in the second half, and they outscored TCU by 29 points. They doubled them up in the second half, and they beat the Horn Frogs 87-75. I don't know. They, they didn't need this win to solidify themselves in the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament, I should say, but it certainly helps them tremendously, tremendously. As you look back at this game and you look at now BYU playing for seeding, not just in the NCAA tournament, but in the Big 12 tournament. The top four teams get double buys. And right now, if you look at the Big 12 standings, you have Houston at 13-3. and three, You have Iowa State at 12-4. and four, You have Baylor at 10-6. and six, And then you have three teams at 9-7. and seven, BYU, Kansas, and Texas Tech. And by the way, BYU just beat Kansas the other day. So they've got that tiebreaker. So this is suddenly a fascinating situation because BYU may end up with one of the teams as one of the teams that gets a double bye. And for a team that was predicted to finish 13th in the Big 12 in the preseason, to potentially get a top four double bye in the Big 12 conference tournament is pretty damn impressive. So this is just classic BYU. I mean, I don't know. I remember looking at the box score in the first half, and BYU had hit one three-pointer in that first half. I mean, it was just, you're, you're looking at this game, and you're like, they can't buy a bucket, right? But then they do what BYU does, and they start to get hot in that second half, and whatever Mark Pope said at halftime, I hope he bottled it up. That's all I'll say. I hope he bottled that sucker up because BYU came out and they were nailing uh, three-pointers. They hit two or three to open things up. And as that second half went on and they were making that comeback, I mean, it was everybody. Trevin uh, Nell had a couple of big ones. Um, You know, they were just – he had, I want to say, three or four in that second half, thinking back to it. And he really helped lead this comeback for the BYU Cougars in a game that I don't want to say they needed to make the tournament, but certainly for seeding in the Big 12, it's a big deal, and it helps them for seeding in the NCAA tournament and where they want to be. And it's a tough, tough loss for TCU. Once again, they're in, but you know they've now lost two straight games. They lost to Baylor earlier in the week. Uh, they're sitting there at eight and eight in conference play now, and they got to go to Morgantown, which is always tough this week, and then they're home to UCF, which has proven to be a tough out every single night. So it's not going to be easy for Jamie Dixon and the Horn Frogs down the home stretch here as well. 
And that's something that we're going to keep an eye on um, as we head through the last week of the regular season. Can't believe it. Kansas losing at Baylor 82-74. to So Kansas has lost seven conference games in the Big 12 for the first time ever. Kansas has also, can you believe this, all right, lost seven conference games for the first time since 1988-1989 season. The year I was born, 1988. Put that in a perspective. It's a testament to just how good and consistent this program has been for, you know, its eternity, but certainly for a generation. You got to go back to 89, the first year under Roy Williams, when this team went 19 and 12 overall and lost at least seven conference games. That is truly unbelievable when you think about it. It goes to show you how great Kansas basketball is and how this year has been tough for them in the Big 12. There's no denying that. And it's been really difficult on the road. They have been a bad road team. Not mediocre. They've been a bad road team. And you saw that again against Baylor on Saturday. So uh, it's just unbelievable. They're 14-1 and at home, but you look at, you know, their losses this season in the Big 12, UCF, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Baylor all on the road outside of that um, home loss to BYU last week. So now they've lost two in a row as well, and they've got that Sunflower Showdown coming up uh, this week. So listen, KU is still going to be a very difficult out in the NCAA tournament and the Big 12 tournament, which is in their backyard in Kansas City. But um, Kevin McCuller, if you want to look at a bright spot for KU, Kevin McCuller played, and he led the way with 20 points. And he looked pretty good. I mean, he played 32 minutes. So I, I, you got to be happy with that, considering a couple of days ago, we didn't know when we were going to see Kevin McCullough, if at all, this season. He comes back, and, you know, he was rusty. You could tell he wasn't shooting well uh, from deep. He was, I think, 0 of 5 from three-point range. But overall, you know, you're just happy to see him back in the lineup scoring 20 points. If you want a nitpick, I saw Johnny Furphy, and I wondered where he was a lot of the second half. He only played seven minutes in that second half after playing most of the first half. I'm not sure why that was. I didn't know why Bill Self turned away from him. But here's the problem for KU. They continue to do a bad job guarding the three-point line, and they just don't shoot the three ball all that well either. And that's been problematic for them most of the season. They don't defend the three well, and they don't shoot the three ball well. So, you know, we know what happened against BYU where Kansas was outscored by 30 points from behind the arc. It wasn't nearly that bad against Baylor. I mean, Baylor was 7-17, Kansas was 4-13. But Kansas, they just, they're not good at shooting the three-point ball, and they don't do a great job defending it either. And that's something that, come March Madness, can definitely come back to bite them if they're not careful. So it has been a tough go of it for this uh, Kansas team, 
and certainly this is not what Kansas fans have come to expect uh, for their entire lifetime, basically. And now we'll just have to sit back and, and see how the rest of the season plays out. But they're going to be playing a desperate K-State team at Allen Fieldhouse this week. So uh, this is like for K-State, who's already beaten KU, this is must win. But now you got to do it at Allen Fieldhouse, which is almost an impossible task. Although... BYU did it last week, so maybe it's not. Maybe this is the year that K-State can pick off KU at Allen Fieldhouse. We'll see if that takes place. But, you know, then you're talking about KU potentially having a three-game losing streak and going into Houston. Could you imagine KU with a four-game losing streak to end the season going into the Big 12 tournament? It's unfathomable when you think about it. But we could end up in that kind of a position. So uh, Baylor, you know, quietly, and I say this out of respect for Baylor, quietly is, is, I think, starting to climb back into the conversation of not just, you know, it's always been about Houston and, and Iowa State the last couple of weeks, and then Kansas kind of on the periphery. But Baylor, after losing a couple of games in a row, beats TCU on the road, beats Kansas at home, and is feeling better going into the final week of the season where they've got Texas and then at Texas Tech to wrap it up on Saturday. So a good turnaround week for the Baylor Bears as well. Now when you look around the rest of uh, the Big 12 schedule, Texas beats Oklahoma State 81-65. to Not a lot to add there. Maybe you think it solidifies Texas in the NCAA tournament. It might, but uh, this season has still been a disappointment for Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns, there's no denying that. There's no getting around that, to be honest. Um, also, Iowa State takes care of UCF, 60-52. I, I just, I don't want to play UCF. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I know people are going to look at, if you're not watching a lot of Big 12, and say, ah, oh, it's UCF, they're 6-10. and 10. UCF is a tough out, man. They're big. Diallo's a stud. You know, you look at some of their losses this year. Iowa State, they were in that game in the second half, right? Now, Iowa State pulls away late, but they're in that game for the most part. They lose to Cincinnati by two. They lose to BYU by two. They got a seven-point loss to Texas Tech. Uh, they got an eight-point loss to Baylor. I mean, you know, a five-point loss to BYU. They're in a lot of these games. In some ways, UCF basketball has been eerily similar to UCF football in their first year in the Big 12, where there's a lot of very close losses where you see the potential, you see the talent for the Knights, but it's just not quite clicking, especially down the stretch. The confidence is isn't maybe there like it needs to be. And I think it'll get there under Johnny Dawkins. You know, if you're saying to me, of the new teams, who's impressed me the most, it's obviously Houston because of what they've done. They're the number one team in the country as they walk into the Big 12, which was already the best basketball conference in America, and they're the best team in this league. So Houston's number one. But in many ways, all of the new Big 12 teams have overachieved. Even a UCF team that's 6-10, and 10, a Cincinnati team that's 6-10, and 10, a BYU team that spent a lot of the season in the top 25. It has been so much fun for these four new teams, and I've loved having them 
as a Big 12 fan, as a guy who covers this conference, they have been great additions. And the fan bases have been awesome too. Speaking of fan bases, you know, the OU fans were just lackadaisical, for lack of a better word, with the number one team in the country in town on Saturday night in the Houston Cougars. And don't tell me that, well, we're OU, we're a football school. I was watching some of the Alabama-Tennessee game. You know, Tennessee was the number four team in the country on the road against Alabama Saturday night. If you were to watch that game and you didn't know who the fan base was, you would think that Alabama was a basketball school. Don't tell me you can't be both. OU fans just don't care about basketball, and that's your prerogative. But it's kind of sad when you've got the number one team in the country. I'm looking at it on TV. There's empty seats all over Lloyd Noble. I mean, all over the place. And even the people who are there, half of them look like they got lost and ended up at an OU basketball game. They, they just don't care. And it's weird to me because they've got a good team. They've got a top 25 program. Porter Moser's a good coach. But even go back to the Buddy Heald days. I, like, it's just not a basketball school. And it's weird because I used to work in Oklahoma. I worked in Woodward. That was my first radio job in the northwest part of the state. And one of my pleasant surprises was how much the state, the high schools in particular, love their basketball. Like, there is real pride in high school basketball in Oklahoma in a way that I didn't necessarily expect. I knew it would be there for football, but I didn't really expect it to be there for basketball. And it was there, but it just doesn't translate to the college level, it seems like. I mean, I know that, you know, Oklahoma State's got a great tradition for basketball. It's just been dead for the last bunch of years. And maybe the Thunder took some of that away. I don't know. But um, it's it's tough. If you're an OU fan, I, I want you to like basketball. It's a great sport. We're here talking about it on the show, but I can't force you. I just can't force you. So uh, that was admittedly pretty tough to watch. And then Texas Tech coming back to beat West Virginia in, you know, kind of a weird game. Starts off, I saw, you know, Pop Isaacs get hits with that technical foul early on. West Virginia is winning early. And by the way, West Virginia is winning big early on in this game. You know, West Virginia looked like they were going to run the Red Raiders out of the freaking gym. They're up 20-7 to early on. Uh, they're up like, what, 27-11, 24-11, something like that. And then what happens? Well, Texas Tech wakes up. Toussaint, Williams, they start getting in the mix. They hit a couple of big threes late in that first half. Um, McMillan hits one as well. So they start getting things going as that first half hits the final probably six or seven minutes. I don't know what it was, but a switch just flipped for Texas Tech. And that would have been a bad loss at West Virginia. They did not need to go to Morgantown and suffer a loss like that. I mean, that would have been one of those ones that if you're a Tech fan, you would have been kicking yourself for, especially with the way this past week went with that game against the Longhorns. So that was vitally important for Tech to go on the road, get that win, snap a two-game losing streak, and um, just get itself back on track. And now if you're a Tech fan, like you're sitting there tied with KU and BYU for the fourth seed in the Big 12. You can get a double bye. 
in the Big 12 tournament, the top four seeds will get that. And you've got Oklahoma State on the road, and then you've got Baylor at home next Saturday. So everything is in play for the Texas Tech Red Raiders to get one of those top four seeds and to find themselves with a double bye in Kansas City. And that's something that, um, you know, if you're a Tech fan, I would have told you that a few days ago. You might have said, eh, maybe. But now you're feeling like, why the heck not us? I mean, I, you got to like Tech, even though we understand that Pop Isaacs has struggled mightily the last few games. And it wasn't much better on Saturday. In his 33 minutes, he had 10 points, 4 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 6 from three-point range. But you still like any team with a veteran backcourt in March Madness. And that's exactly what Texas Tech is going to go into the dance with. So it's one of those things that you have to look at and you got to be able just to say, step back, right, if you're um, a Texas Tech fan and just say, hey, we're going to be all right. We got a chance to make some noise. Now you got to figure out and make sure you have Warren Washington back. Obviously, not having him is a big deal. Um, but you get him back, hopefully, and you get a road win without him. That's huge. Take it, move on, go home. That's what matters. All right. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. We cover the Big 12. Thank you for being here. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that thumbs up on YouTube. We would love if you take literally half a second out and do that. It makes a world of difference on these videos. When you do do that, it helps us continue to grow organically. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a part of the show. And uh, leave that five-star rating and review as we get ready for March Madness. If you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, leave the rating and review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. We so appreciate you guys. Go Big 12. Sign up for our free message boards, by the way. That's up on the um, website. Just click on the Members Forum tab, and we'd love to see you guys there. Uh, Let's see. A lot of your chatter in the uh, YouTube Live about West Virginia. Uh, They're done. I mean, Josh Eilert seems like a nice guy, but he's done. He's out. Mike Boynton's going to be on the hot seat. I'll be surprised to see how that plays out. But we'll save all that talk because it's still the regular season and there's still a lot going on. So thank you guys. Subscribe to the show. We appreciate you being here, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Big 12.